coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Yeah, you're, you're Jewish, but you're a Christian. How did that happen? What is it about us that makes us want to want to be confrontational and destroy each other. She, she just said, I just never thought I'd have a son. And she was looking for the words, who was walking with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> there are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black, and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God, just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill, you got to have one, a token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the thunderstorm outside and the uh, rain that you're providing. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my friendship with Odell and our guest, Corey. Uh, we ask for blessings on our families and uh, in our work that we do. We ask for blessings uh, as we go out the rest of the week and travel. Amen. Father God, we come to you just saying thank you for the increase and in the blessing. Uh, we stepped out on faith to start this podcast, Common Ground, and just by faith, we are doing the best we can, and we appreciate everything that's happening and all the opportunities that you bless us with, God. So we are good with following you. We are good with following your hands when we don't really understand everything. But we thank you, God, because you have a track record of winning. You have a track record of the victory has been won. So we thank you for our guests. We thank you for Bill and my friendship. We just thank you for the opportunity to have a platform to share your word and talk about difficult situations, God. Difficult situations that's tearing up the church, that's causing church members to be divided. And we're not fighting over your word, but a lot of times we're fighting over politics, point of views, and everything else. So let's talk, God, instead of us fight each other. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. 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 You know, it's interesting that today's guest is Corey Nathan from 
talking politics and religion without killing each other. And Corey's coming from L.A. So I think this is, Bill, I think this is what our first L.A. guest. I guess we're big time and bougie now. We have a guest from L.A. coming in, and he describes himself as a Jewish person from New Jersey who's now in L.A. So, audience, you just buckle your seatbelts. You're going to love this guest we have. And, Bill, what do you remember about the last time we talked to Corey? The last time we talked to Corey, I, I asked him, I said, Corey, you, you're, you're Jewish, but you're a Christian. How did that happen? And, oh, uh, man. And you gave us a great answer. And so I'm going to start with that. But I got to tell you, come, going to La La Land is something special. I said, I, I think we raised the bar pretty high, Odell. Well, you know, listen, the good-looking black guy in L.A., you know, where else will we go? Where else will we go? My wife said you better come home and take out the trash. That's where you better go. Come home and take out the trash. So with that, Corey, we want to introduce you and please share your story. And also, you know, everyone knows that listen to us. They listen to us on the Common Ground dot show, the T H E Common Ground dot show, and usually listen to your favorite Apple podcast or whatever you know, where you get your podcast. So, Corey, how do people find you and share with them about your podcast? And thank you, and welcome to Common Ground. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Odell. Uh, yeah, you can find us talking politics and religion without killing each other. And uh, TPNR Pod on, on the Twitters and, the you know, all the different social platforms. But... Odell, before we start, man, as a Jew from Jersey who became a Christian, I'm still Jewish. So I, I got a bone to pick with you. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> and, and I hope we can find some common ground on this. Now, a couple uh, on your talk with Patrick Sterrett, who is very informative. I learned a lot from that uh, conversation you had with him. You used a word that's very, very special to my people. Uh, in, fact, in fact, you can say it's a, it's a word of sanctity, and the word is tuchus. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> But Odell, if you're gonna say tuchus, you got to say tuchus. You can't say tukas or anything like that. You got to say tuchus, man. Okay. Well, I'm trying to get. I have to get the ah right. I have to get the ta right. So work with me. Just work with the good-looking black guys. I get the ta right and all that good stuff. You know, it's interesting. I've been to Israel four different times. Uh, one as a uh, following some, and others as leaders leading interdenominations and. I still don't get it right, but what I do get right when I go through Israel, I eat my way through Israel. And one thing I do like, the desserts. Big on desserts. But that's not why we're here. Well, you, you know, know, wait a minute here. I think I think the reason he pronounced that way, he put a southern twist to it. Well, you know I'm a southern Geechee. You know, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, Charleston twist. Yeah, Corey, do you know what a Geechee is? No. Okay, we'll talk about that later on. But go ahead, Corey. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, go, let's go with the show. Okay. Um. So uh, you asked me, Bill, how, how that came about, how I became a Christian. Is that uh, yes, is that yes, yes? How did that happen? Did it happen in California? Did it well, happen in Jersey? I was doing business. Uh, this goes back to the late '90s. I was doing business with a couple fellows that I considered mentors, and um, one fellow in particular, his name is Hal Hal Golden. Uh, he uh, he's somebody that I just really respected. A very successful business person. Uh, I knew him well enough to know his marriage. He was a great dad. Great great husband, really uh, generous in the community, giving of his time. And, um, so I, I sought him out as a mentor, and he had this way of just, you know, giving me books, and uh, at that time he was giving me tapes to listen to, just 
great speakers and stuff. But uh, Hal had this one thing that really bugged me. He was, he, he grew up Jewish like me, but at a certain point he became a Christian. <laughs> so, so one day I, I decided to confront him about it. And uh, just, like, just like Hal, he gave me a book to read, and the book was uh, More Than a Carpenter. Uh, I think that's the Josh McDowell book. So uh, <laughs> I, I knew by the title, I said, Hal, I'm not looking to become a Christian. You know, I knew it was one of his Jesus books or something. I said, I just want to find out what's up with you, man. Right. And, uh, and Hal said, uh, well, listen, I, I, I know what, is it, what it is to be Jewish, and I know what it is to be Christian. You know what it is to be Jewish, but you don't know the first thing about being a Christian. So why don't you just read the book, and at least we'll have something to talk about. So I read his book, and... Uh, about three pages in, I decided I'm going to read right through it. It took me about three hours. I got right through it, and I just had one question for Hal. I said, okay, what's next? And he gave me a few other books, um, and it started this process of several months where, uh, gosh, I must have been devouring anything I could get my hands on, theology, history. Um, uh, I, I, I came across uh, some apologists, um, and, and they're more contemporary, uh, making a ready defense for the hope that's within you with gentleness and respect. And over time, I finally got to the point of realizing that this, this made sense. What I had, was reading, the theology I was reading, C.S. Lewis and, and uh, N.T. Wright and, you know, um, uh, Chesterton, and it, it was just making so much sense, because at the same time, I was studying other world philosophies and religions. I was saying, saying to myself, man, if I'm going to consider this thing, I've got to do a review of, of other stuff I've learned. But I came to a point where I at least understood what the basic existential questions I had were. You know, how did this thing all start, and what's the problem in the universe, and is it going in a good direction, and... You know, and the Christian answers, the uniquely um, coherent and cohesive set of answers I was coming across in the Christian theology just made sense. And then finally, um, at that, that whole time, I hadn't read the New Testament, and uh, Hal wisely directed me to the book of James, which made a lot of sense, because the first uh, verse or two I, I recognize as being written uniquely to me as a Jew, you know, to the 12 tribes. And... Um, and then uh, I just went to the beginning of the New Testament, started in Matthew, and uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Uh, about five chapters in, uh, Jesus gives what I recognized as a Devar Torah, which is um, when you read from the Torah uh, three times a week in, in Orthodox Judaism, the rabbi typically gives what, what's called a Devar Torah, like an explanation of what we had just read. So Jesus, starting in Matthew 5, was giving a Devar Torah, but it was the most brilliant Devar Torah I'd ever read or heard. And uh, that's what pulled me in. Um, it, as you fellows probably know, it was the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> yeah. so it's a pretty good... Uh, that's a pretty good one. Pretty great rabbi giving a pretty great Devar Torah, if you will. And um, once I got through, I, you know, I read pretty much straight through to Revelation 22, and... Uh, Sorry about this is a long story, but the last part of it is, is important. Uh, I said, "Hey, Hal, you know, um, I, I got through to you know the end of the the end of the book, and uh, you know, if I'm going to do this thing, is what's the prayer?" He said, "What do you mean, what's the prayer?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm Jewish, so you pray over the wine. There's a prayer for the bread. There's a prayer for everything. What's the prayer? Like Baruch Atah Hashem. I'm a I'm a Christian." Like he said, he said, "No, man, just talk to God." And uh, I said, that's it? You can just talk to God? There's not like an official prayer? He 
So <laughs> yeah. he said, no, man, just talk to God. So in my stumbling way, about 3 in the morning that night, uh, I woke up and I said a stumbling prayer to God. And uh, the next morning I, I turned to my wife. I said, Lisa, I think I'm a Christian now. I believe this stuff. And uh, the first thing she said was, if you think I'm going to church every every week, you got another thing coming. <laughs> so it was a little while before she came to the Lord, but uh, yeah, so that's the long and the short of it. Oh, man, what a great story. Oh, my goodness gracious. Thank you for sharing that. There's uh, just so many comments and things that, you know, come to mind in uh, how, how God worked in your life to to uh to do that i mean there's just amazing now i I, i'm going to move into now you obviously had to talk to your your father and your family members and and uh relatives how did that go that's a great question it was uh i think i had prayed that clumsy prayer in october of 2000 and it wasn't until uh, we flew home from the west coast back to the east coast my parents were living in new jersey at the time uh, we took a red eye the morning before Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving morning, uh, we sat out on the porch, and uh, I told my dad. And he took it very clinically, um, but it was about a three-hour talk, and it was sort of the introduction to what was to come over the subsequent years. Um, he, uh, he, he wrote me, about a month later, he wrote me a 10-page, single-spaced letter spelling out all of the different reasons why I should not become a Christian. And he came at it from every angle, from a filial obligation to a philosophical, a political, a cultural, a, and, of course, a lot of Jewish guilt. <laughs> sure. Um, but what I did was I started, I was already very ensconced in apologetics, so that was my first major exercise in apologetics. And I decided to answer him, you know, one paragraph, if not one sentence at a time, and it began, uh, for the better part of three years, we were writing back and forth and, you know, recommending reading to each other. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was hard at first because he, he wanted, he, he was considering the possibility of what's called sitting Shiva. Uh, and sitting Shiva in Orthodox Judaism, or not just Orthodox, but um, Jewish tradition, uh, is what you do when a family member dies. Wow. Uh, and immediate. So my father was considering that possibility. Um, so we went from that extreme to enriching our relationship and, and uh, coming to a deeper appreciation for each other um, and uh, learning more about you know, theology and history than, than you ever would have even going through some sort of a master's program because we just challenged each other. And in a lot of ways, that, those conversations were the seeds for what we, uh, we started last year with talking politics and religion without killing each other. These things are hard. They're hard. Uh, it's life and it's more than life and death. It's, it's generations. Uh, you know, it's, it's our people. It's our heritage. And, um, and we got to find a way to talk about these things without demonizing each other, without tearing each other apart. You know, where we emphasize the relationship uh, over lines in the sand and mm -hmm. some lines in the sand are really important but I, I think a lot of times we end up drawing more lines in the sand than we need to yeah so. you know you bring up a good point Corey. Uh, how many times have you moved your line in the sand in your life i bet you quite a few as i have and as you as you discuss things and intellectualize things and um and the lord works 
with you. Uh, you see things with a different set of lenses that you didn't see before. And that only comes about by effort on our, like your part or my part or Odell's part uh, to seek. Uh, as Odell likes to say, we want to question you, but not like you're on a witness stand, question you for understanding. And, uh, and that's what you were doing with you and your dad. You were trying to understand where each person was coming from, and you were up against lines in the sand such as tradition, history, family, dynamics. I mean, there's a lot there to unpack. So I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. That's a tough, that's a tough thing to do, and you came through it, and look at what you're doing now. Yeah, you had a guest on uh, Chad Oakley mm-hmm. who had a great word, carefrontation, which uh, I, I, I just I soaked that in. That was a great Wasn't it a great word? I, I had to write that down I put, uh, because at first he said it so fast I didn't catch it. And uh, <clears throat> so I had to go back and listen to it again. But carefrontation as opposed yeah. to confrontation. Mm-hmm. Lead with love. Lead with love. Mm-hmm. So. Uh- Corey, this is yeah, Odell, uh, the good-looking black guy again. You know, it's interesting when you talked about being Jewish, and it's it's one of those interesting situations for me. Um, the only black Jewish person I ever knew or knew of for a long time was Sammy Davis Jr. And I'm, I'm I I I think Sammy counts for being Jewish. I know he does, and I'm just you know picking now. I'm sure I'm somebody's gonna say, "Odell, oh, you shouldn't <laughs> joke about that kind of stuff." But I think in religion we are too serious for most of the time, not all the time. But you know, I had a great privilege. Um, a good rabbi friend of mine recommended me to go to the Hebrew congregation of the U.S. Virgin Islands and St. Thomas to preach a Martin Luther King Jr.'s service. And that's one of the oldest um, synagogues, as you know, with the sand on the floor and everything else. And I had a great time. And they asked me, preach that Friday and on that Saturday to teach or lead Torah study on Saturday morning. And just leading Torah study was a just a blast. But at the same time, a lot of so much common ground, especially in the Old Testament And when you think about all the things that the Christian faith stole from the Jewish faith, and like my rabbi friends tell me all the time, Odell, you know, and my Jewish friends are, listen, um, being Jewish is more than just religion. You know, I'm a black, good-looking black male, but I'm a Christian. Well, being Jewish is not just a religion. It's a culture, it's birthright, everything that's associated with it. So I say all that to say this. When you start talking politics, that in, in today's time, just politics itself is enough to tear us apart. And now you throw in religion, and as Christians, we do a good job of persecuting each other. But now when you throw in your background, how, how do you handle that when it comes to those tough questions and people challenging you on the show, on the podcast? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story that ties into everything else that we were talking about. You know, my conversation with my dad was one thing, uh, but then I had to go in and tell Phyllis, my mom, uh, that I was a Christian. And <laughs> her, her reaction was more like, uh, if you've ever seen that show, Everyone Loves Raymond or Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes, yes, mother yes. mother on that show. yes. I'm absolutely convinced that they followed my mother around for years to write that character. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. <laughs> That's my mother. So her reaction, uh, at first she didn't really respond. Um, 
she uh, she first said, um, I said, Mom, you, you seem disoriented. I, did you hear what I said? I'm a Christian. And she, she, she just said, I just never thought I'd have a son. And she was looking for the words, who was walking with Jesus. <laughs> and then she yells into the other room. She goes, Ronnie, that's my father, Ronnie, du hast, which is Yiddish for, uh, did you hear, du hast? My son is a born-again Republican. <laughs> I just told you I'm a Christian. Like, how did you get... So, oh, my gosh. They immediately connected to, to them. It's a funny way of saying that, that to, to my parents, my parents' generation, maybe it's a Northeast thing, they associated Christian with a whole bunch of other things, including politics. Uh, my parents were lifelong Democrats. I, I did have more conservative tendencies. I, I identified, for example, with... Uh, Alex P. Keaton on that show, that Michael J. Fox character, more so than the other guys on that show. I always had conservative leanings, um, but but there's an important point there that you know religion and politics it's all intertwined. You know, and you you both make really good points. That I mean, if you go back to first century Israel, um, the the temple wasn't just the central place of worship; it was the central place of commerce. It was the central place of politics. It was a central place of education. It was, it was central for everything. Um, and, and that very much, uh, you, you can look at that as, as something that comes forward into this day. So, you know, the, the key is, again, I think, how do, you, how do you unravel some of this stuff to be able to look at it with more of an objective eye? And if we, if we can't do that, at the very least, to, as you said, start with love and start with the emphasis of, of the relationship, the importance of the relationship over the transactional type of winning this point or something along those lines. So I don't know if that answers your question, Odell, but that's, you, that's what came to mind. You did, and you painted a beautiful picture because our family, you know, I am a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat. I'm black. I'm all those things, but I'm very conservative. And I have endorsed and supported uh, candidates who are Republicans. Once I understood their um, stance, I don't. We don't agree on everything, but I don't think that one has to agree on everything. You know, uh, I have a lot of pushback when I endorsed a uh, white evangelical Republican who happened to be a Baptist preacher. And people just came at me all different kind of ways. Of I, how can you, as a Democrat, endorse a Republican? And my answer is this, and then I'll uh, kick it over to Bill, is that I believe that the Democratic Party takes the black vote for granted and the Republican Party ignores the black vote. I believe that the black vote is caught between a political rock and a hard place. Now, those are my beliefs. That don't mean that I'm 100% right, but also I don't have to be 100% wrong. I think that when we challenge and push the boundaries, that makes it so much better because I'm liable to vote Democrat. I'm liable to vote Republican. I'm liable to listen. And those, when I listen, if it makes a good argument and I understand it in my spirit, I'm good with that. Uh, I've evolved so much when 
when I grew up, you know, Jewish people meant certain things, black people meant certain things, white people meant certain things, evangelicals were over here, Baptists. We all have our bias, prejudice, and stereotypes to a certain degree, but when we can allow those bias, prejudice, and stereotypes to not affect everything we do. When everybody look at me and see a black guy or look at Bill and see a white guy or look at someone else and see a Hispanic guy, all our biases shouldn't come rushing in to say, well, we know what this guy's about because he's black or he's white or he's Jewish or what have you. So I think as we continue to have common ground on conversations, that's where a lot of what we say is what people are thinking. And I think that's why our following is just really just taking off. But also now when you think about this, talking politics and religion without killing each other. Where did that come from? Without killing each other. <laughs> well, I, it, one of the, I realized over time that, uh, that this is going back early when I became a Christian in the early 2000s. I realized that I didn't have many issues that I was really, really uh, going to die on a hill for. You know, I, I, my tendencies, again, tended to be more uh, conservative or libertarian, you know, fiscal conservative, social libertarian. Um, but what I realized was the one issue I was really, really passionate about was how we talk to each other, how we engage with each other, was, was how we were talking about folks we disagreed with. You know, one, one thing that um, made me uh, unpopular in the church I was going to at the time in 2008 was I was not a Sarah Palin fan, a big John McCain fan, but I was not a Sarah Palin fan because she could not seem to talk about any um, Democratic individual or, or Democrats in general without mischaracterizing positions, uh, overgeneralizations, uh, and, and demonizations and vilifications. It just That, uh, for a long time, has been my most passionate issue. I want to find a way to talk to people that we disagree with on issues that may be very, very important to us. But where is the common ground? How can we do it in such a way where we're not uh, generalizing, mischaracterizing, and vilifying? Now, now, Corey, now, somebody found something wrong with President Barack Obama or, you know, Michelle Obama. I mean, you know, come on, man. Barack, listen, Barack is a rock star. He's a rock star. Michelle is black as black needs to be. And someone found something wrong with that black family representing the United States of America? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you, man. Like, there's a lot of policies that, that I disagreed with. But, you know, when I, when I read my Bible, because that's, that's, I think all three of us can agree, that's our, our, our frame of reference, right? That's our authority. Uh, when I read my Bible and I look for what, what are virtues, you know, what, 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 what does it look like to be a virtuous man or woman? Uh, I, I see a lot of those qualities that, that he, that brought, like President Obama um, tried to manifest, uh, you know, tried to, tried to embody in, in his, you know, in his engagement in the public, uh, in, in how he related to his wife and his daughters. Um, and, and I just really admired who he is at a character level to the degree that, that we saw it, you know. Uh, I'm sure we didn't get a glimpse into uh, everything that happens uh, in private, and that's the way it's supposed to be. But everything that I could glean from the way he conducted himself, you know, listen, we're all human beings, uh, so there's certainly some, 
proclivities there, uh, you know, and I certainly suffer from from more than most. Uh, and the same can be said for for President Obama. But you know, for the most part, I just I, I, if you look at the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. If you look at those things, I felt that he he did his best to embody that. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. You know, <clears throat> I got to tell you, you're the first. Uh, Jewish person that's converted that I've ever talked to. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Mazel tov. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a that's a big deal for me. So, uh, and uh, you know, and I I really appreciate your frankness and you're talking about uh, all this. The uh, you know, as as you were talking and and sharing and talking about uh, President Obama, you know, I, I was with a guy at lunch today and we, we were talking about all kinds of things. And he said, Bill, you got to read this one book. It's called uh, Lowly and Gentle. It's a description of Jesus, how he, how he would describe himself. And I started thinking about that. You know, lowly to me is kind of a negative term. But when you think about it, he, he never put himself in front of somebody, ahead of somebody. Uh, and, and he always engaged in conversations. Uh, when uh, the, the lady who had the hemorrhaging touched him he went and uh, stopped he engaged her and talked to her had a conversation with her and and being gentle uh i just get that image of reading his words and hearing his sermons that you know he was all about love and he was all about talking politics and religion without fighting i was at a sermon and this uh black minister was up he was he was setting in for another minister and talking, and he said, you know, in his in his uh, in his house, he had a picture of Last Supper, he had a picture of Martin Luther King, and uh, he had a picture. They had a picture of uh, John F. Kennedy, and so he got invited over one of his friends' house, and he went in their house, and they had a picture of Last Supper, <laughs> and a picture of uh, John F. Kennedy, but he looked at the picture, and he's going. What's something wrong with that picture? Somebody's jacked up my Jesus because it was a white Jesus. And in his house, it was a black Jesus with an Afro. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was picking that bill earlier, Corey, about, you know, President Barack Obama being black Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, people, again, you just have to understand Odell's quirky sense of humor. However, when you look at the situation at Emmanuel, Mother Emmanuel. Mother Emmanuel is a church in Charleston, South Carolina, and I literally walked past that church hundreds of times because what used to be right down the street was public housing I grew up in. And the elementary school I attended is right across the street from Mother Emmanuel. And when you listen to the young man, Dylan Ruth, who committed the crime, his intention was to start a race war. And he said, well, I know if I go into the most sacred institution in the black community called the black church, I know if I go into the oldest, one of the oldest black churches in the country, and I know that we have a pastor there who's also an elected official, then I'm going to start a race, a, a race war. Now, why in this time, Corey, would people want to start a race war? Why do we want to start a political war, Republicans against Democrats? Why do we want to start a religious war? What is it about us that makes us want to, want to be confrontational and destroy each other? Oh, man, 
you need to look no further than Genesis 3. <laughs> yeah, amen. The problem entered the world, you know. Uh, sin entered the world. Uh, and I think it's just endemic in all of us uh, as, as part of the fall. But, you know, that story, man, uh, you know what I remember most about that, that whole horrific chapter is in the days after uh, there were other folks from that church body that, um, that they had already gone through hell and lost their loved ones, lost their wives and moms and grandmoms. And yet what you heard from numerous folks of that church body at Mother Emanuel was their love and their forgiveness uh, of, of this individual who had done such a horrible, horrible thing. Um, and, and that, in my mind, couldn't have been, there couldn't have been more of a Christian thing to do or a Christ-like thing to do, because w- what is our job, really? You know, if you look at the Bible from Genesis 1 through Revelation 22, you know, it's, it's a, about a creator God who, who, who created the heavens and the earth, and he created human beings in his own image. And then, and then part, of, part of the deal was he, he, true love is not a programmed love. So he gave us, as creatures, the option to love and worship our creator God, right? But because of that free will, we indelibly fell. We're not God. We're just God, you know, we just strive to be like God, but we're not. But what he also did, what God also did, was he, he already... Uh, he already allowed us to be a part of that big redemption project, right? That's what we're going through now. He already, he already implemented, you know, redeeming his creation. Even before we fell, he knew how it was going to go. You know, he knew that with free will, we're inevitably not going to make the perfect choice because we're not God. But he also programmed it so we could participate in the redemption program. You know, uh, the, the, the Bible, in a certain way, the story of the Bible is still being written but we're in it, you know? So, so when someone from Mother Emanuel just goes through this terrible, terrible tragedy and loses their loved ones, and they lead with, he is already forgiven, I already forgive him, as opposed to ramping up the hate, that's something that, 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 that inspires us all and should serve as an example for us all. So that's, that's what I take from that. As event. a white guy... Uh, this question is to you and Bill. As a white guy, what did you think about black people saying, you know what, we forgive you? Because because we always say, we, all of us, not just white or black, um, Christian, Jewish, anyone, is that we want justice. Because the Bible says justice demands that when we make a mistake, when we sin, when we fall short, that justice demands that we should die or we should be penalized. And grace and mercy says, no, 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 no. Grace and mercy says, we will stand in the gap. Jesus says, I will stand in the gap. I will be the sacrifice. When we go to Israel and we stood in the garden of Gethsemane and you understand the struggle that Jesus said, but not my will. but, But it's like, if it's any way this cup could pass by me, because a lot of things in our lives, God, is there any way we can, we can let this pass by us? We don't want to drink from that cup. As a black person who was angry 
at the fact that this guy went in there and killed everybody. It's like, well, you're justified. We want justice. You're justified to do what everyone does. But grace and mercy says, no, 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 we forgive you. As a white person, Bill, as a white person, Corey, how did y'all feel about black folk like, nah, nah, we forgive you? Because I would think, and I can't put any words in your mouth, one would think that, oh, my God, it's, 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 it's going down now. It's going down now. Yeah, I, I, I kind of took it that there's going to be uh, race riots. There's going to be burning of police cars. There's going to be all this uh, unrest. And, uh, and it turned out that it was forgiveness and grace on a, on a major scale that reflected uh, across the nation. And uh, the, uh, it, 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 was, it had to be supernatural to get to that level when you go through something that horrific. Corey, what do you think? Oh, man. Well, I, I don't know if I projected forward what would happen uh, i certainly didn't think of it in racial terms um you know i, I have to I have to say and this might sound really weird but uh I, I don't identify i learned something last year um i was being brought into um diversity equity inclusion uh trainings uh in in the in my industry and um a couple, a couple of them were very edifying. I learned a great deal. But a couple of them, I realized afterwards that I was being asked to assume an identity that I simply don't identify with. Um, you know, because I think white has a connotation, at least to me, is uh, what we used to think of as WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. You know, but I'm only a generation removed from us being the outcast. You know, my, my family was very prominent in, in Eastern Europe and Russia, and they, they left, you know, as, as my, my father and my grandmother used to say, the only thing that everybody in that area could agree on is everybody hated the Jews. Hmm. Uh, you know, whether it was the Cossacks or the, the uh, Tsarists or the Bolsheviks, you know, they, they were warring with each other, but they all could agree on the, the common ground they found is they all hated the Jews. Wow. So wow. that's very much a part of me. I don't. I realize that I don't identify, you know, that you guys have handled really well and have delved deep into white privilege and what that all means. And, and I, I really appreciate, Bill, uh, you, that distinction, that nuanced distinction that you made of, of white advantage. Uh, but even at that level, I just don't identify with that. I'm still aware of, you know, we're white uh, as, long as, as long as we're not white enough uh, as, uh, until someone comes along that decides you know, that decides that I'm, I'm, I'm still Jewish enough to, to, you know, kick out and to harass and to, uh, you know, that, you know, if you're Jewish, you're, you're not quite white enough, and that's repeated itself throughout history. So, yeah, I, I didn't answer your question head on, but um, that's, that's what came to mind. But you sure did preach. And from a Baptist <laughs> preacher's perspective, I'm ready to pass the plate because I'm telling you, you know, I've heard – and I've been told by friends of mine, so I should have known better. They said, Odell, I'm not white, I'm Jewish. And on the same lines of what you stated, and nobody don't think about that. You know, nobody don't think about that. So thank you so much for bringing that um, correction to me and enlightening me to always be 
aware. And thank you. Just thank you. Corey, we're getting ready to close this up. And uh, we always like to ask our guests where have they found common ground. And uh, if you've got something you could share with us, that would be lovely. Oh, you know, um, it's surprising that this should be surprising. Uh, but I found common ground with my son two days ago. Uh, but it, it's on a very contentious issue. Uh, so four out of five of us got vaccinated. Uh, Jackie boy, he's, he's the older of our two boys. He's the middle child. So we have a daughter and two sons. Jackie boy has not been vaccinated. He's 18, so he's a, he's a young man, and, you know, he is entitled to make his own decisions. And it's been a contentious issue for us. So I let it lie for a while because, you know, I'm vaccinated and, you know, I'll have to do, make my decisions and, you know, uh, for, for, for me. And uh, I'd like to have some influence, but I finally decided to bring it up to him. And the only decision I made in advance was I am not going to uh, judge him. Uh, I'm not going to try to guilt him into anything. I want to, my, my whole objective was to understand better. And, and it, t- it took all I could do, man, because I, I have very strong opinions, especially on issues of health. Like, you know, uh, I don't want him to take risks when the, the, you know, the risk that you're taking could be life and death, and I've lost a few friends. So it was very hard for me to restrain myself. But here's, I did come away with understanding uh, better what his point of view is. The fact is, we, we could have been persuasive earlier on, but folks came out of the gate just shaming him and treating him as some kind of dumb, you know, uh, uninformed, unenlightened, and really just going on the attack from, from day one. And what that did is it closed the door to any opportunity for persuasion. He, he, he dug his heels in. So, you know, that, that was surprising to me um, to find a little bit of common ground. But here's the thing. This is, and I think this is an important concept, is, is that entering into a conversation, I don't think, m- most often, I don't think you can get somebody to do a 180 in one conversation. And, and if that's what we're trying to do, I think we're, we're setting ourselves for, for disappointment or disillusion. But, but I think we can. I think we can make maybe one degree of, of movement, uh, add one degree of salt, to that, to that equation in their mind. Persuade them one degree toward uh, our point of view. But here's the thing. It also opens up the possibility that we might be moved 1% in their direction. And that's what happened. It, not, not that I'm changing my mind about, about vaccines, but at least understanding why my son, someone who's so important to me, has, has come to this decision and has not moved from that decision. I understand him one degree better. That's so great. That was surprising to me. That's a great. That's a great story. Well, getting ready to wrap up here, Corey. I want you to one more time tell them how they can find your podcast and and the name. I appreciate that. Talking politics and religion without killing each other, and talking and killing, have an apostrophe, not a G, after the end. <laughs> and then on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, it's T P and R Pod. T-P-A-N-D-R-Pod. Great. That's how you can find us. I really appreciate that. You're and, and, Corey, you know, this is Odell again, the good-looking black guy. I know you got a lot of good-looking black guys out in L.A., but if you want the good-looking black guy to be on your show again, you just let me know, all right? 
Oh, absolutely, man. I just love hanging out with you. I love hanging out with both of you. Yeah. You well, black man and, and, and Bill, too. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad I'm included in that. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events, Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.